Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. Welcome to episode one of season two of the Living in Light podcast. I just want to say a massive thank you for tuning in to today's episode where we are going to be talking about sexuality. So please do bear that in mind if you have got little kids around. Now, if you've listened to this podcast before, you will know that the theme of this show is to explore the incredible ways that God shows up with his love, light and liberty in and through everyday people like you and me. And during season one, that involved me chatting to a host of amazing, super inspiring people who had been shining their light in a beautiful way in their spheres of influence and had been impacting the world around them. But season two is going to be a little bit different. This whole season is going to be about sexuality and it's going to focus on the love, light and liberty that God wants to release through this particular message. And there are so many reasons that I have chosen to do this. Firstly, because there is so much counterfeit and dysfunctional intimacy and sexual brokenness in this world including amongst Christians. And I am actually sick and tired of the devil violating sexuality and stopping people from experiencing the extravagant love and connection that we were all created for. And I don't just want to see the body of Christ set free to walk in sexual wholeness, but I want to see us role model healthy sexuality to a broken world and to actually change culture so that this generation and the generations to come can walk in true intimacy as a lifestyle. Secondly, because there is so much confusion and lack of knowledge and understanding in the church when it comes to sexuality. And although we've got some amazing resources from ministries like Moral Revolution, but it's just not talked about enough in a healthy, liberating, celebratory way so that people can actually be clued up about it properly and be sufficiently equipped to combat the satanic but ridiculously accessible narrative that we find in the world and so that we can actually be countercultural with boldness and conviction. Thirdly, the reason that I've chosen to do an entire season on this topic is that countless people don't even know that God created this beautiful gift of sexuality for us to enjoy, to celebrate and steward with such honour and freedom. And as a result, we literally have multitudes of people, generation upon generation, failing to enjoy their sexuality or to steward it with victory. And instead, people are shrinking back from being sexual beings. They're suppressing or even dismissing that part of their divine identity or they're wrestling with confusion or battling with sexual sin or engaging in worldly sex because they never knew that sexuality was part of their divine wiring that they could actually thrive in without sinning or because they never knew that biblical sex was designed to be so incredible and totally worth the wait. And also, for many people that do wait until marriage to have sex, so many of them are getting shortchanged when it comes to marital sex because tons of them have never learned about sexuality in a celebratory way as Christians. In fact, many of them have been led to believe in Christendom that Christians aren't even meant to have a sex drive, let alone enjoy an orgasm. So when they get married and they're expected to just switch on their sex drive and get busy in the bedroom, they don't know how to. 
and they can't because of all the taboo, stigma and unhealthy mystery attached to sexuality and so they wrestle with being free and being authentic and so you end up with untold married couples having boring sex, repressed sex, guilty or shameful sex because they were never taught how to celebrate their sexuality before they got married. And they certainly didn't get the kingdom memo about how fun, liberating, fulfilling and brilliant God designed marital sex to be. Quick side note, my heart is not to knock the church. I absolutely love the bride of Christ. But the bottom line is that we've simply not taken authority in this area. We've been far too silent about sexuality and we've let the devil have a monopoly on a gift that actually came from God. And we've passively allowed the world to dictate the narrative when it comes to sexuality. And as the church, we've simply not role modelled biblical sexuality with truth, boldness or conviction in our own lives because far too often we've been wrestling with our own places of compromise or shame or sexual brokenness or dysfunctional intimacy. But it's all good because there has definitely been a shift and God is on the move and as the bride of Christ keeps her eyes on Jesus, true intimacy is being restored and the church is rising up in authority and she's taking her place and she's finding her voice and reclaiming sexuality for the glory of God. And then last but not least, the reason that I've chosen to record these podcasts about sexuality is because I know I have an authority in this area because of the powerful way that Jesus set me free from sexual dysfunction and promiscuity and drew me into the most incredible intimacy with him. It's an area that I've overcome in and so I walk in an authority when it comes to sexuality and intimacy. And through these podcasts, I want to equip as many people as I can to not just be informed with knowledge and understanding about this stuff, but I want to see everyone whether you're young, old, single, dating, married, widowed, like literally, I want to see this entire generation so liberated, so whole, so victorious and confident about this incredible gift that God has blessed us with. And I want to see us all so intimately acquainted with and experientially walking in true intimacy in the most fulfilling way. But before we start to unpack what sacred sexuality is, I think it's super important for me to share the backstory to this message and this is going to include a super quick version of my testimony and how this whole sacred sexuality ministry came about where you can be assured that I have actually walked this walk and learnt some stuff along the way and that I am not just some nutter who just wants random strangers to listen to her while she harpers on about sexuality. So this is a super quick version of my testimony. Um, I was actually born in East London, but my family are originally from India. So what that meant for all of us was that while we were growing up, me and my siblings were constantly torn between two cultures. So we had the Western culture that we were born into, and then we had all these super traditional Indian family values that we were expected to live by. And we wanted to honour the morals and traditions that my family were raising us up with because we believed in obeying our parents and upholding family honour was part and parcel of our Asian culture. But then on the flip side, we all had super outgoing personalities and we loved life and loved doing fun, often taboo stuff with all of our English friends. And so we found ourselves 
very frequently living double lives where we didn't want to disappoint our parents or hurt them and we definitely didn't want to get in trouble so we would hide a lot of stuff from them and for me personally this included as a 13 year old smoking and drinking behind my parents backs sneaking out of my bedroom window most nights and bunking school And although we were raised as Hindus, someone actually told me about the Christian faith when I was around 12. And so I ended up becoming a believer. And I think the reason for that was that growing up, I'd never been able to connect with the Hindu faith. I found all the occultic stuff that I witnessed pretty intense and the voodoo when we'd go to India and just the black magic. And I also found it super confusing that we were expected to pray to statues made out of like wood and stone and clay who couldn't hear us, who couldn't see us, who couldn't respond to our prayers. And so when I found out about this Christian God who was alive, who could hear me and see me and respond to my prayer, I found it so incredible and it wasn't long before I became a Christian and then I started reading the Bible and going to church and learning about the faith but even with this Christian faith I still somehow ended up living a crazy paradox of a life of sin of sneaking out and drinking and smoking and being super flirtatious and having a real filthy mind while still going to church and still praying and still reading my Bible and quoting scripture And um, not long after I turned 16, I started going to nightclubs literally five nights a week. And I was listening to loads of worldly music for the first time that carried a real spirit of seduction. And I started hanging out with a different crowd than I had when I was at school. And so pretty soon I found myself having my first boyfriend. I became sexually active almost immediately. And because I'd been molested as a child, my sexuality had already been violated. And with the highly sexualized culture that we're brought up with here in the West, by the time I started having my first boyfriend, I already didn't respect my body. Even with my Christian faith, I just really never understood that I was cherished and valued by God as someone who has been made in his image. And so I didn't see myself or my body as precious Also, because my dad, as much as he cared for me, he never really gave me any affirmation or role modelled what healthy intimacy looked like because he'd never experienced it in his own life. Plus, as an alcoholic, he was often aloof and disconnected. And so I was most likely craving validation and connection and looking for intimacy outside the home when I embarked on my first relationship. And that's actually what loads of studies show, that when girls don't receive affirmation and value in their homes by their fathers, they often seek intimacy in unhealthy relationships outside of the home. And of course, as Indians, there were so many rules that we had to abide by. And for me to have a boyfriend, it was literally the unpardonable sin. Sex was obviously super taboo in our culture. So all these different factors contributed to me losing my virginity super quickly and then leaving my faith and then going on to eventually lead a really promiscuous lifestyle that involved tons of alcohol abuse, class A drugs and casual sex. And I did stop practicing Christianity at the age of 16, but then in my mid-20s, I found myself coming back to the faith 
because my life had literally spiraled out of control and I recognized that I desperately needed rescuing. Otherwise, it was game over for me. So I started attending church. I got baptized, was studying the Bible. I was literally in my own strength, trying my hardest to live a life of righteousness and basically keep my behind out of hell. But I found Christianity so boring compared to my hedonistic past. And so I would keep going back to my old life of sin. And I found myself once again living this double life where I had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And over time, it just got more and more torturous. And I found myself in this crazy cycle of sin, condemnation, repentance, sin, condemnation, repentance, sin. And I literally became such a prisoner of perversion and religion, but I could not see an exit strategy out of the pit that I was in because I was so enslaved. And then one night after I'd been drinking loads and smoking loads of weed, I ended up having a demonic attack and it was of a sexual nature. And I honestly thought it was the end for me. Like my life literally flashed before me. But God was so merciful to me that night and I definitely didn't deserve his grace. And during that attack, I was so convicted of all my sexual sin and my continuous rebellion against God. And I understood while that attack was going on that I had brought all this on myself as a believer who was baptized, who was a child of God, but who just kept playing with sin. And during that experience, the Lord totally opened my eyes to the spirit of the world and the true evil that lies behind that spirit of seduction that we allow ourselves to become slaves to when we become friends with the world and when we follow the ways of the world and engage with that spirit of lust. And so that night was obviously such a sober wake up call for me. From that moment, my life literally did a 180 degree turn. And not surprisingly, I was radically transformed by that experience. I knew from that moment onwards that this world held nothing for me. And I just began to live for God. I went after such a radical life of holiness, of purpose, of like power and freedom. And I just began to worship God like crazy. I wasn't interested in guys or sex or being driven by my flesh anymore. It wasn't to say that I wasn't tempted, of course I was tempted, but my desire and my resolve to live this new life was so strong that I just went in full whack pursuing God. I was so grateful to have been rescued and I was so acutely aware of the futility and the poison of this life that I had left behind that I just did not want to go back. And for the first time ever, I actually began to master my flesh as I surrendered fully to God and I began to pursue true righteousness. And I was experiencing so much victory that dying to myself was becoming a joy. And I would constantly fast and I would go to like all night worship and prayer meetings as often as I could. And I was so hungry for the kingdom of God. And so over the next 10 years, I grew so much in the Lord and I cultivated such a life of faith and purpose and the sweetest intimacy with the Lord. But every so often, I would look back on my previous life of promiscuity and hedonism. And as I marveled at all the stuff that God had set me free from, and as I considered how I'd come into the kingdom and my salvation story, I would wonder if God was ever going to use my testimony to bring him glory and to set people free in this area. Because 
What had happened to me, it showcased such a miraculous transformation from darkness into light that I knew it would bring God so, so, so much glory. But aside from me sharing my testimony on a one-to-one basis now and again, and aside from me helping support like, you know, individuals who were wrestling with some of the stuff that I once had, I never really felt God releasing me to share my testimony publicly or to minister in this area. And it didn't even matter because I was so wrapped up in God. I was on this crazy love adventure with him and anything he wasn't releasing me to do was totally fine because there was so much other stuff that he was doing. And then about eight years after being saved, I felt the Lord lead me to write my testimony as a spoken word piece, which ended up being filmed. And although I knew that was God and I knew that he wanted me to film that and he wanted me to share my testimony as a spoken word piece, even then I still did not feel that I had permission from the Lord to minister in this area. But then in 2015, everything changed. And after 11 years of being saved, I sense God releasing me to share my testimony publicly and to minister from it. And although I didn't understand why he had me wait this long, I just knew that it was time. And at this point, I was already established with my company Living in Light. I was using my creative gifts to run my fashion label and image consultancy. I was using my teaching gift to train and develop people in like fashion and identity I was writing blogs and preaching and seeing loads of signs and wonders, but I felt that there was more that God wanted to do in that season. And so I asked God to show me what was in my hand that I wasn't yet using and that wasn't yet bearing fruit in my life. And he showed me my testimony and this message of sexual purity that I was carrying. And he showed me the potential they had to set people free, particularly the young adults who were in my sphere of influence. And the way that he showed me this was through a random encounter that I had on a Sunday morning at church whilst I was chatting to one of my team members when we were both serving on setup and he was about to show me his website. And as he went in to type his web address in his search bar, I saw his previous search, which said, how do I deal with sexual lust? And when I saw that, my heart just ached. And I literally felt God speaking into my heart that this question was in fact the search of an entire generation and that the message I was carrying held the answer because of what Jesus had done in my life. And so that then led me to preaching a message about sexual purity not too long after at my church in a Sunday morning service. And the response to the sermon literally blew my mind. For a start, there was so much joy and freedom in the room as I began to talk about sexual purity. And it was so liberating. It was so freeing. And I felt the Lord's joy on that message. But um, it was actually what happened afterwards that I guess really began to accelerate this journey because so many people began to reach out to me. And it wasn't just young adults, as I had initially thought, It was individuals of all ages. It was people of all levels of maturity in Christ. It was couples and even entire families that were needing help in this area. And it suddenly dawned on me that sexual brokenness was just as rampant in the church as it is in the world. 
and that the body of Christ is filled with fractured souls who are victorious in many other areas of their lives. But when it comes to sexuality and intimacy, there is dysfunction and there is brokenness and counterfeits or they've never really enjoyed healthy, liberating connection. And I don't just mean sexually, but you know, relationally with family or friends or, or even with God. Or there were so many believers that simply just didn't know how loved they were or how desirable they were. And I found myself considering, and as I talked to God, I was like, Lord, how are we as the body of Christ going to ever role model healthy sexuality to a broken world if we as the body of Christ aren't walking in the full beauty and freedom that you have for us as sexual beings? So that then led to a series of workshops that I ran where people could come and be ministered to and grow in knowledge and understanding as well as in confidence and freedom and wholeness. And then, not before too long, it led me to publishing a book called Sacred Sexuality, which is where a huge amount of content for these podcasts actually comes from. But the craziest thing is that as I began to actually teach on this topic and dive into the word of God about his design for sex, I was so blissfully surprised with the stuff that I started to actually discover. Because when I first started sharing this message initially, my message was predominantly about the repercussions of engaging in worldly sex, because that is what I had experienced, you know, with all the sexual darkness and all the destruction and demonic attack. So my message really was an appeal just saying to the body of Christ that, hey, don't engage in worldly sex because it's so destructive. And instead, you know, walk in purity because there's so much peace and there's so much power in it. But it wasn't until I actually started studying and exploring what God's alternative to worldly sex actually was that I began to fully tap into not just what God was wanting to deliver us from, but actually all that he wanted to take us into. And it was then that I actually discovered the unrivaled beauty of biblical sex and how God's design for sex wasn't just the most peaceful. It wasn't just you know, the most righteous option or the holiest option there was, but it was in fact the most pleasurable, the most fulfilling and supreme way of having sex and that there was no other design for sex that could even come close to rivaling the way that God had created sex to be enjoyed. I also discovered that God not only had a divine plan for sexual intimacy in marriage, but that there was also a divine plan for the wider dynamic of our God-given sexuality that he wanted us to embrace and enjoy whether we were having sex or not. And then God actually began to show me that as someone who had fully surrendered her sexuality to the Lord and had been walking in sexual purity, but that as someone who had allowed God to rewire her desires away from the wrong kind of intimacy towards true intimacy with him, that in my journey of sweet communion with him, that I had actually been walking in the divine blueprint for sacred sexuality, which was just crazy. Um, And so he just unpacked all of that to me. And just before I actually started writing the book, I said to the Lord, like, why did you wait until this moment? 
if I've been carrying this message of sexual purity all of these years since I got saved, why did you choose now? And this is basically what he said to me. He said that when I first got saved, I understood so much of the ugliness of what he had brought me out of and what I'd been delivered from, but that it would actually be a really long time before I would understand the beauty of what he was taking me into. And that if God had allowed me to teach people about sexuality from a place of sexual purity, then I would have actually have taught people that God wants to deliver us from lust in order to bring us into purity. And as important as purity is, it's not actually enough. And God was like, Bobby, I don't deliver people out of lust in order to make them pure. I take people out of lust in order to bring them into my love. And when someone is in my love, then being pure and being holy is a natural byproduct of simply abiding in my love. And now that you have spent more than a decade abiding in my love, it's only now that I can actually trust you with the hearts of my people, is what he said. Like, wow, to think that everything is actually about love and as crucial as purity is and as holiness is, that's not actually why God delivers us. God brings us into his love. That's his prime purpose of taking us out of counterfeit intimacy. It's to bring us into true intimacy with him. And that's why my book is called Sacred Sexuality, Rewire Your Desire Towards True Intimacy. So before I actually get into the nitty gritty of some teaching, I just want to lay a bit more foundation. Two things. Firstly, I just want to make a statement about the trustworthiness, the kindness and the loving nature of God. Because everything that God teaches us in his word comes from a place of love, not from finger pointing, not from a place of judgment or accusation, even though he has every right as our creator to judge us or to tell us how to live. Even then, every thought God has for us is rooted in unconditional love. Love that he demonstrated when he sent his only begotten son to die for us so that we could live a life of abundance. And this life of abundance is better than anything we could choose for ourselves. But when we don't actually know God and we haven't experienced his loving nature, we can misunderstand his design for sexuality as something that's not for our good. But I really want to just lay this foundation for you, that everything that I will share from these podcasts about the heart of God for us as his creation truly comes from a place of his undiluted kind intent towards us. So even if you hear things that don't make sense or you find some things are confusing or some things may offend you or even hurt you, even then, please don't stop listening. Please be willing to keep going on this journey. Please keep trusting in his beautiful goodness and in his love for you and in his everlasting love for all mankind, even if his biblical design for sexuality in this moment in time might not make you feel that good and might even seem unloving. And then the last thing I do want to say is that I am so aware that sexuality is a deeply personal complex matter. 
And our wiring as sexual beings navigating through a fallen world is something we may not even be able to fully grasp with our natural mind. And I certainly don't claim to know it all. Far from it. In fact, this really is just an unfolding journey for all of us. And I don't take lightly the fact that you as listeners are allowing me to be part of your journey and speak into your lives. But I would appeal to you to listen to these sessions prayerfully and don't just take my word for things. Test them, research them for yourselves, study the scriptures that I present to you and take everything to the Lord. Because at the end of the day, I'm no professional. I'm no psychologist, no counsellor, I'm definitely not a scientist or a doctor, although I'm sure my Indian parents would have loved that. But I literally am just sharing from my own experiences and obviously from the word of God and from a place of personal victory and spiritual authority as someone who knows without a shadow of a doubt that God's love and his word have the power to set everyone free and to make us whole. And so I know that the biblical principles that I will share on these podcasts, they work. And When it comes to my understanding of all the non-biblical side of things that I share, the scientific stuff, the statistics, studies, etc, etc, I actually just love how they all work hand in hand with the word of God so beautifully. But again, I ask you guys to test that stuff. Don't just take my word for it, but let your own pursuit and your own conviction be developed as you journey through this. So, With all of that said, I am going to actually say a little prayer before we move any further. So Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for everyone listening. And I thank you, God, for where they are all on their own personal sexual journey. I thank you that you have created us as sexual beings with such majesty and such glory and that we were made in your image as male and female. And I pray that you will speak to every single person listening through this podcast and that you will touch every heart Jesus in a tangible way and that you would be the one to impact every life with your truth your love and your freedom so I love you Lord and I just ask you to completely just do whatever you want to do in Jesus name I pray amen So finally, I'm actually going to introduce you to this amazing topic of sacred sexuality. So sexuality has been created by God as part of his glorious perfect design for humanity. Satan has violated that perfect design and robbed mankind from enjoying sexuality the way that God intended. He has managed to hijack this gift and somehow he's painted a picture of God as being anti-sex even though God is the brilliant author of sex and of pleasure. And after all it was God who created the orgasm not Satan yet somehow Satan's managed to get all the credit for all the super erotic adventurous stuff when it comes to sex and God gets lumbered with the missionary position. Yet, as the author and the creator of sexuality, God wants us to go to him to discover how to enjoy our sexual identity, not to the world system driven by Satan, because God was the one who designed sex and so only he truly knows how humanity is wired and how best we will thrive in every area of our lives, including our sexuality. 
And it's God's desire that we would enjoy, embrace, celebrate and honour our sexuality, whether we are young, old, single, married, widowed, or whether we are having sex or not. And this wider dynamic of sexuality is far, far more than just the act of sex itself, which often takes centre stage whenever this topic is discussed. But actually, God not only has a brilliant design for sex, but he designed us as sexual beings, whether we're having sex or not. And unless we understand God's plan for sexuality, we will never be able to truly understand God's purposes for sex. So, why did God create us as sexual beings? I believe our purpose as sexual beings is rooted in our God-ordained identity as image bearers of Christ. And we know that we are image bearers of God or Christ because in Genesis 1, 27, we read the following. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. That's the message translation. This tells us that God created mankind in his image to reflect him as male and female. And that by God's design and divine choice, both genders would uniquely and beautifully reflect the wonderful nature of God when they came together as one. And so when Adam and Eve were created, they would have literally have been exquisite, sheer perfection as male and female. And obviously they would have been naked because the Bible tells us this in Genesis 2.25. It says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not embarrassed or ashamed in each other's presence. So there was clearly no awkward moments there in the garden as they both hung out, you know, quite literally. On the contrary, they would have been so bold, so confident and unashamed in their sexuality. And their sex drives would have been perfect, totally untarnished and a joy for them to possess. But despite their embracing of their divinely ordained sexuality and despite their fully functioning and fully thriving sex drive in their perfect flawless condition and despite their glorious nakedness, they didn't actually have sex until they came out of the Garden of Eden because the Bible tells us in Genesis 4.1 that the first time that they had sex was when they came out of the garden after the fall. So although Eve was formed out of Adam and they were both married according to Genesis chapter 2 verses 21 to 24 where it says this. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So although this scripture actually tells us that they were married, however, according to the Bible, Adam and Eve did not actually consummate their marriage whilst they were in the garden. So, at that time, when God created them and they were both naked with their sex drives at their highest and most perfect, they would have, at this stage, have been brother and sister in the Lord because they hadn't actually become one flesh physically by consummating their marriage. 
So they demonstrated right there in the garden that you can be naked before one another as image-bearing brother and sister in the Lord, yet you can have no shame and embarrassment in front of each other and that you can walk in the fullness of your sexuality with purity and celebration for one another without engaging in sex. And even though they were not engaging in sex, they would have been utterly awestruck with wonder and appreciation at the beautiful form of one another as image bearers of Christ and they would have admired and beheld one another as innately desirable, beautiful and worthy of dignity because they were both God's masterpiece created in his image. And they would have been enjoying, celebrating and honouring one another's sexuality with purity and holiness and without embarrassment and without shame concerning their nakedness and without guilt or awkwardness about their sex drive. And because sin hadn't entered into the mix, they would not have had a single dishonouring or disrespectful or impure thought towards one another, despite the beauty and nakedness on display. Instead, they would have admired and rejoiced in their opposing yet complementary God-ordained genders as male and female. They would have been appreciating how uniquely and majestically they both individually reflected the full nature, the deity, the beauty, the creative splendor and workmanship of God and the plans and purposes that he had for mankind. And the Bible tells us that God himself was so delighted with his own handiwork in the way he had made us as sexual beings, as male and female, in his image. The Bible tells us that God found pleasure in it. In Genesis 1.31, it says this. It says, God looked over everything he had made. It was good. So very good. Again, that's from the message. So this means that when God created mankind as sexual beings, male and female, made in his image, reflecting his nature, he was thoroughly pleased with what he had made. And there was simply nothing imperfect about God's design for our sexuality and that he had designed us to be able to navigate through our sex drives with victory and to celebrate one another's sexuality with honour and confidence, without shame and without embarrassment. Because of the fall, however, everything changed and God's original design for sexuality became fractured. But the truth is this that we were sexual beings before we ever became sinners. And as we navigate through a fallen, fragile world, which is filled with so much sexual disorder and brokenness because of the fall, we as believers have a divine capacity to actually reclaim the innocence, the holiness, the celebration, the dignity and the wholeness that must have been present in the Garden of Eden before the fall when God first designed our sexuality as very good. When he originally created us as sexual beings, naked and unashamed of our sexuality, stewarding our God-given sex drive with purity and consecration and with celebration, not shying away from our sexual wiring, but navigating through it with honour and dignity and glorifying God through our maleness and through our femaleness as his image bearers. And this is firstly, in essence, what sacred sexuality, I believe, is about. It's about us rejoicing and thriving in being majestically 
and purposefully created in the image of God, innately worthy of dignity and honour as God's workmanship, as those who have been lovingly fashioned to image him as males and females, boldly reflecting God in our opposing yet complementary genders and bringing God glory by owning and celebrating our sexuality and our femininity and masculinity with healthy confidence, authenticity and victory. And secondly, but most profoundly, sacred sexuality is about us being wired for true intimacy, not just sexual connection, but relational connection in every way. Because not only is God a wonderful creator who is such an artistic God of sheer beauty and splendor that he would form and fashion mankind to reflect him with such majesty and glory, but he is also an intimate God. And it strongly suggests in Genesis that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Our God created us for fellowship. Even though the Trinity, the Father, Son and Spirit were already complete and perfect, not needing any companionship at all. But God chose to have intimate companionship with human beings as the object of his love and he chose to adopt mankind into his family. And so he wired us as intimate beings who were made by love, with love, in love, for love. He created mankind even before the foundations of the earth were ever laid as an intimate race fashioned in the image of an intimate God. He created us to be fully known by him, to be fully accepted and loved unconditionally no matter what. And this kind of dynamic of being known by God that we have been created for is based upon a term called yada, which is found around 950 times in the Bible. And its root word is know, K-N-O-W, to have knowledge of, to become aware of, to intimately experience. And it has several expressions, many of which are related to knowing someone intimately. Being so fully known by someone, being accepted no matter what, being loved, being desired, experiencing transparency, experiencing deep vulnerability with another, unveiling of hearts, of secrets, of deepest thoughts, truly being seen by another, being fully embraced. And this is why everyone, no matter who they are, longs in their inmost being to be seen, to be desired, to be known intimately, because that is how God created us. He created us for connection. We were made to be fully known. And unsurprisingly, this word called yada is also the same word God uses to define sexual intimacy because the act of sexual intercourse is the deepest way that you can know someone relationally. And so we come across this word yada in Genesis 4.1 when it tells us that Adam and Eve had sex for the first time. It says, And Adam knew Eve as his wife and she became pregnant. 
So this kind of sexual knowing is the deepest way a human can be fully known by another human being and it was designed by God to only be experienced in the context of marriage because marriage provides this beautiful solid framework of covenant intimacy where there is this exclusive union of trust, loyalty, acceptance, desire, honour, confidence, of vulnerability and protection of hearts that really only marriage can provide because of the lifelong vow that is made to one another to love each other unconditionally compared to any other context outside of marriage where this glorious protective and honouring framework of yada intimacy is simply not present no matter how meaningful the sex might seem to be at the time. And what we've got to really understand when it comes to this definition of sex is that it's not the actual physical act of sex that's being defined by God when he uses this word yada to define sex, but it's actually the framework in which sex was designed to be experienced that God is using to define the act of sex. Because in God's eyes, the two go hand in hand. Marriage and sex are intertwined. So in God's eyes, what makes sex sex is that it's being experienced in the legitimate parameters of marriage. And any act of sex outside of marriage, God doesn't even call that sex. He refers to that as sexual disorder because the context in which it is taking place is outside of marriage. Therefore, it's illegal in God's eyes. So no matter how common, how popular, how acceptable, how modern, harmless or seemingly liberating worldly sex might be, in God's eyes it's completely illicit because it's taking place outside of the honouring framework of Yada intimacy that's found in covenant marriage. And the reason why sex is so sacred to God is because it actually was designed to mirror the spiritual intimacy we were created to enjoy with God. Because this same word yada, which means to know one another intimately in sexual union within marriage, as I mentioned earlier on, is also the same word that God uses to describe the experiential knowledge and understanding God designed us to have with him in our love relationship with him. Through abiding in his word, through worship and prayer, through spiritual intimacy, it's a knowing that he wants us to cultivate with him here on earth and in an everlasting intimacy that we will enjoy with him for all eternity. And it's a covenant union that we have with God based on his unconditional love for us, which he demonstrated when he sent his only begotten, beloved son to die on the cross on our behalf so that he could reconcile us back to him and so we could live in his love as dearly loved children of our heavenly father and as the bride of Christ. Because God has created us for the highest, richest, deepest, sweetest, most satisfying kind of love ever. The Bible actually tells us that we were divinely and deliberately wired by God for glorious love, for intimate connection. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 in the message translation. It says we were made for God-given and God-modeled love. 
And so he wants us to make our home in his love through intimacy with him as we learn how to receive, enjoy and reciprocate this crazy divine love that he has for us. And as we begin to grow in knowledge and awareness of this love, we actually begin to enjoy the sweetest intimacy with the very author of love where loyalty and trust and honour and transparency and vulnerability begins to grow within this beautiful framework of covenant intimacy, just like in marriage, but in an intimacy that we actually have with God. And God's perfect love begins to cast out all of our fears, all those things that actually stop us from truly being intimate with another. And his love begins to rewire our desire away from counterfeit intimacy towards true intimacy. And as we begin to walk in that true intimacy with God, and as fear literally breaks its hold on us, we begin to grow in true intimacy, not just with God, but with those around us, whether that's your spouse, your family members, your friends, whether it's the family of God. Ultimately, we begin to enjoy a life of healthy, authentic, fulfilling connection because we're rooted in true intimacy with our creator and the lover of our souls, who is the very author of connection. And this really is the heartbeat of sacred sexuality. And I guess these two overarching areas of sacred sexuality that I've introduced in this first episode of season two... They are the underpinning foundations of this whole message. This first foundation of celebrating our image-bearing gender and sexual wiring with confidence and honour, as well as the foundation of enjoying true intimacy with God and with others. These are really the two pillars that this whole message of sacred sexuality is built upon. And I do sincerely believe that everything connected to sexuality, sex and intimacy really does ultimately come down to these two areas. And so over the coming months, we will go deeper into what that actually looks like. And so we'll unpack more of God's purposes for sex. We'll look at the neurology behind sex. We'll go into detail about all of the counterfeits that this world offers us disguised as sexual freedom, whether it's porn or masturbation, whether it's adultery, fornication, homosexuality or just lust in general. And we will also explore the differences between love and lust. And we will look at how to truly abide in God's unconditional love. We will explore how our sexual character is developed and how we can victoriously navigate through a highly sexualized culture, whether it's as individuals or as those raising young children or as pastors or leaders or influencers in society. We will also look at single sexuality, sexuality and dating and how to have great marital sex. And we will also look at sexual restoration and a whole lot more. So I really do hope that you will stick around for the whole journey. And I really do want this podcast to be such a crazy blessing. I want to see us take authority and be that spotless bride of Christ who walks in such purity, in such fulfillment and victory in every single area and so that we can all enjoy true intimacy and be role models of it 
and so that we can be a bold and loving bridge between a broken and often lonely world and an intimate, loving and compassionate God. And to end this podcast, I definitely want to pray, but I would like to just share one last thing. And this is something that the Lord really put on my heart when I was prepping for this first episode. So many of you listening will be curious about sex and want to just learn how to navigate through your sexuality in a healthy, holy way, individually, or maybe while you're dating, or you will just want to learn more about the topic in general, all of which is awesome. Others might be getting ready to get married and just want to prepare to enjoy beautiful intimacy and to have great sex in your marriage. And then others of you listening might be struggling with lust at different levels and you really just want to be set free. Um, Others might have developed a sense of shame or oppression when it comes to sexuality or maybe you've experienced dysfunctional intimacy and you don't know how to make connection or you don't even know how to enjoy intimacy with your loved ones in any capacity. There may even be some who feel undesirable or lack confidence when it comes to your gender or just in general when it comes to your sexuality. Some of you may be experiencing confusion about your sexual orientation or grappling with same-sex attractions. Like the list is actually endless for the different scenarios that each and every one of you may be navigating through as you listen. And I do believe that God is going to speak to every single one of you And I call each and every one of you blessed and beautiful. But there is a particular group of people that I want to speak to right now. And it's those of you that feel so trapped in a web of perversion or sexual bondage that you absolutely despise yourself. You question how anyone could ever love you or accept you if they knew what you were involved in. And the stuff that you're involved in is so out there that you actually feel like a utter freak and it's eating away at you and it's slowly killing you on the inside and you find it hard to talk to God or you find it hard to turn to him because you think that you are so repulsive and so sinful and despicable and that God is disgusted with you and all of that guilt and shame is enslaving you further into sin and you don't know who to turn to and the secrecy is making it all even worse and I want to tell you right now, precious one, that you are going to be set free because you were created for love and you were chosen by God even before the foundation of the earth was ever laid. You were chosen to be his and to live in his love, to be holy and set apart and nothing can separate you from his love. No sin, no condemnation, no guilt, no shame, like you were created for love. Even as your present reality looks like such a contradiction and you find yourself sinking in lust and in self-hate, yet this is the truth, my friend. You were created for God-modeled and God-given love and you will be set free. And the Lord wants you to know that he adores you and he looks at you with the eyes of such love and affection 
and he is here with you and he will deliver you because you are his and you were created for true intimacy and he will rescue you from every counterfeit even as you become bold enough to share your grief and your heartbreak with a few trustworthy people around you and you will begin to see the lies get uprooted and the shackles break even as you come boldly before the throne of God with all your junk and all your pain and you invite Jesus into the struggle and you trust him to walk out this process with you because you were predestined and ordained to live for the praise of his glory and you are his beloved and that really is what I felt God wanted me to share and so with that said I'm just going to pray for us Lord, you are utterly beautiful. Thank you so much for this episode and for everyone who is listening. I thank you, Father, for rescuing us from the kingdom of darkness and for bringing us into the kingdom of the Son of your love. Thank you for the price that you paid to set us free and to adopt us into your family. Thank you, Lord, that whomever the Son sets free is free indeed. And God, I just ask you to meet every listener in their own personal situations. Lord, please bring divine truth where there has been lies. I ask you to bring freedom where there has been bondage and liberty where there's been oppression. I ask you, Jesus, to bring redemption and acceptance and confidence, Lord, where there has been shame and guilt and condemnation. And Lord, I just break off shame right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. And I just thank you for your forgiveness where there may have been sin and where there may have been despair. Lord, I ask you to bring hope and where there's been curiosity, I ask you to bring revelation and wisdom. Father, where there's been impurity, I ask you to bring purity. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to bring a greater revelation of your love for us and that you would increase our capacity to connect with you and with one another. And where there's been counterfeit intimacy, I ask you just to rewire every single person's desire towards true intimacy. God, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that even just as everyone listens, that there would be such a tenderizing of hearts and such transparency before you so that you are able to do whatever it is that you want to do in each person's heart. And I thank you, Lord, that you are truly shaping us. You are purifying us. You are beautifying us as your bride. And I thank you, sweet Jesus, for the journey that you are taking us all on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again. And thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. Because you're beautiful.